Hello, 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 everyone. This is Katina, and welcome to the Inflamed Sisters Thriving Podcast, a safe space created to guide women living with chronic illness to uncover their purpose by doing what they were meant to do, move in power by advocating for themselves, and accelerate their growth in health, career, and business. We will inspire, educate, and motivate you as we show you Inflamed Sisters Thrive Together Always. My name is Katina Morrison, and I am your host, a registered nurse and chronic illness coach who is excited to share with you my amazing guest. And her name is Keosha. Hi, Keosha. How are you doing today? I am good, Katina. Thank you so much. And I am really excited to be a guest on your podcast today. Well, ever since I came in contact with you, I have been excited to have this discussion because it's one unlike any that I've had yet, and it's something that I'm extremely interested in. So can you please tell the audience about yourself? So like um, Katina mentioned, my name is Kiosha Jones, and my business is called Pink Productivity Coaching. I help women, um, especially female entrepreneurs, to learn how to use their brain for them and not against them. And the reason why is because most of them may identify with or have ADHD. So they've lived in a space where they've been fighting it for a long time. And I do so holistically. And a little bit about me, I have a background in physical therapy. I graduated as an assistant in 2005, did that 15 years until the pandemic came and transitioned into uh, my current business, probably about six months later. And so here I am today realizing that I myself, of course, um, deal with ADHD, but for years have had RA as a part of my life um, when it comes down to chronic illness. Wow. So you are an inflamed sister thriving, living with rheumatoid arthritis as well as um, living with ADHD. Uh, oftentimes, that is that honestly is one of the subjects that I haven't had the opportunity to discuss on. You know, how when a woman not only has rheumatoid arthritis, but a condition like ADHD and how it impacts their productivity overall. And you're the expert on this. But could you tell me, um, in the course of your journey, when were you diagnosed with ADHD? And can you explain to the audience what ADHD is? Sure. Mm -hmm. So it is a self-diagnosis for me. Um, mm -hmm. And how I came across learning more about it is due to my physical therapy background. Um, I was doing my best to double up on getting credits for that, but also learning strategies that could help my clients because at the time I was just focusing on time management, but not realizing that there was a whole nother world. So when I learned what the criteria were and what it looked like, I was like, oh my word, that's Kiosha Jones. <laughs> and it explains so much about the way I lived my life and the way um, even some of my clients presented. So I was like, well, it's just time to start calling it what it is. So there are some specific things to look for. Um, ADHD is, has three different subtypes. It has the, and this is my working memory, starting to just slow down because of a slight change that, and that easily distracted is one of the things. And that's just what happened here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you've got the inattentive type, 
you have hyperactive slash impulsive as one, and then you have combined where all of those are together. Being inattentive looks like being easily distracted, not really being organized with what you have um, in front of you. You're constantly losing things. You're walking to a room and you can't remember what it is that you're looking for. And it's not that it always comes back immediately. You may have to go back for, to where you were to trigger the memory. And there are a couple of other criteria that go along with that. But then the hyperactive and impulsive, that looks like not being able to sit still, intrudes on other people's conversations, interrupting and blurting out answers before the question is said. And nine times out of 10, you're right because your brain is making the connections extremely fast and impulse control. And then of course combined is those things together. That's not an exhaustive list. Um, there's more pieces to each one of those that create um, the criteria for diagnosis. Wow. Well, um, that sounds a lot like me. Um, the combination form. Um, honestly, why I was interested in this, and this is going to be something that um, my audience doesn't know, is because that's also something that I feel like I'm self-diagnosing myself with as well, because I have a bit of all of it. I do have very good organizational skills um, to a degree, but there's other aspects of things that becomes become disorganized um, in my life. And as that becomes disorganized, then you see, then, you know, it creates this um, mountain that create, you know, of, of issues. But for me, there's always been a certain level of organization that I needed in my life in order to maintain productivity. But I've also been a person who is, um, able to focus and multitask pretty efficiently. But I know that to really be successful you and productive, there's some tips and tricks, of course, you're going to, to talk about that's going to really touch on some of the things that I'm kind of hitting on now. But a combination of all of that, actually, I see myself in it. And it has, it, it to a degree, it was concerning until I realized that throughout my life, I found a way to be able to overcome you know, what could be for some an impairment, but to turn some of that actually into something that is advantageous to me. Um, and I guess uh, that's that's an important way that we also have to live when we're also facing autoimmune disease like we do. Yes. We, you know, we have to find a way to make the to fit in to this world, but also to um to still be productive adults, despite being um, someone living with autoimmune disease. How did you come, how were you diagnosed with your autoimmune disease? How did you become a part of that community? So I honestly think that it's something I've dealt with since I was a teenager, if not younger. But what happened is back in 2017, um, I had a really stressful job. And once the job, I stopped working there, um, and I also was on birth control at the time for cycle regulation and I came off. That's really when the, the symptoms started to show up with RA. So I would have like random pains that I felt like I injured myself, but I know I didn't do anything. But then it became bilateral and my hands would just swell up to the point of looking like sausages. And so I went to the doctor and they did some tests and it did come back but it wasn't enough because by the time I went to the rheumatologist the first time, 
I had made some changes and had put myself into remission. Six months later, I was in a complete full flare. I couldn't even walk straight. Um, I almost had to sleep in a bathtub one night because I was in so much pain I couldn't get out. So when I went back for the six month follow-up after the initial one with the rheumatologist, all of my blood work was screaming RA. Like my sed rate was extremely high. I was more to the moderate severe when it came down to the C-reactive protein and also the RA factor. So um, I know the, that the stress of the six months that was what was happening in that time and also poor eating put me in a point where I was at a flare, but I'm thankful for it in the sense of having an understanding and knowing what the problem was. So that's what led to the diagnosis. Wow. And you, your course sounds a lot like mine because the same thing. Um, since childhood, I had symptoms, but I didn't actually receive a diagnosis until I was in my 30s. Many of my symptoms were being associated, were being misdiagnosed as growing pains. And then at one point, what a doctor called, told me was mental health, you know, that it was just all in my head, basically, um, until I was able to find the doctors who would do the um, accurate testing and really pay attention to the results effectively to to know what it was. But in your journey, you spoke about how you made changes to um, you made lifestyle changes that improved or um, sent you into remission. And that's also what I had to learn those natural and holistic methods. But you, what I cue this into too is that you take a holistic approach to um, not just managing your autoimmune disease, but also managing your ADHD and assisting your clients to do the same. Yes. Can we talk about those holistic approaches? Sure. Mm -hmm. So one of the main ways that I do so is with the use of aromatherapy and essential oils um, based on research in printed material. There are certain essential oils that are known to increase cognitive function. Um, it cannot change the fact that there's a, a, a lapse in the working memory, but if you can concentrate longer, you retain more and you learn more. So that helps them to be able to um, be able to focus. But then I also utilize essential oils in helping them to decrease feelings of overwhelm, to decrease uh, feelings of anxiety, to help bring their mood up when it's come down. So taking the holistic approach, I, I look at all of the, all of like every part of them and I can utilize the essential oils, uh, not just for the one thing, but for the many so that they're then able to uh, calm themselves down, pay attention, and to be able to even have the motivation to get up and to do something. That was one of the coolest experiences when I just tweaked one thing with um, an oil combination. And she was like, I actually stopped sitting down and got up and started moving because she had become frozen by starting this task that seemed overwhelming to her. Exactly. Wow. And that's the other thing that we have in com common is our love of aromatherapy and the use of essential oils and treating 
um, and managing our symptoms. And now this is the thing, essential oils do not cure or diagnose conditions. So we want to make sure no one's thinking that we're out there mm -hmm. saying, well, this is the cure all and be all for anything and everything. Um, but it has been a very um, pivotal part of how I manage my chronic illness and my symptoms when it comes to my attention as well. Um, that was the holistic, first holistic, besides nutrition and physical activity, um, essential oils were the thing that actually helped me to control my, um, my symptoms associated with my rheumatoid arthritis more effectively while I was waiting for doctors to effectively give me a diagnosis and also um, provide me a, a treatment that could help me to um, go into remission as well. So you provide an essential oil that stopped a person in their tracks and helped them to stand up and not to see something as being overwhelming. Is that how ADHD impacts someone and their productivity, that it creates that feeling of overwhelm? What do you see mostly when it comes to ADHD and productivity? Yeah, so there, the overwhelm can exist in more than one form. Mm -hmm. um, some of it can be emotional overwhelm, but the thing that I do see most common is called um, analysis paralysis, or they have problems with task initiation due to the fact that they don't know where to start. And so let me give you an example. Um, just on social media the other day, um, there's somebody that I'm newly connected with who had a pile of laundry sitting on, I thought it was her bed, but it was her couch. So I asked her, is it okay if I share something with you? And she was like, sure. What it is, is that it, it looks so big that there's no, it just looks like there's no end. So I suggested that she separate all of her clothes into like items, then to go into them and then fold all the like items and work her way around. That's a practical su suggestion without the oils. Now what happened with my client is that she was needing to perform some housework, but she didn't know exactly what she wanted to do because there was so much of it. Having her change one of the oils that, it one was a sedative, I, I put one in there that was, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? A stimulant actually gave her the motivation to get up and move and to start cleaning her home. So with ADHD, tasks look bigger than what they actually are in their mind. And that's what I see a lot with my clients and just in general. That's why they don't know where to start because they don't know how to break the task down into something smaller and manageable for themselves. So this has now become a masterclass, okay? Um, so you have done us the honor of joining this. Um, so y'all better soak up all of this because many, many people are getting diagnosed now in their adulthood with ADHD. It used to be something that you only associated with younger children. You know, and sometimes they were delayed diagnosis if they were diagnosed at 10 or 12, you know, but now we're talking about a delayed diagnosis in our 30s, um, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s and more that um, means that a person 
it's transformed the course of their whole entire lives. Sometimes if they had only recognized there were certain things that they could do even holistically to improve being productive adults. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, why do you think does it, that, that it takes so long sometimes for people to identify ADHD? Because we have medical backgrounds. So that's why we can look at ourselves and say, um, I, I think it's, it's me. Um, why do you think it takes so long? Um, especially for women. The reason why is because it presents very differently in women than it does in men. Usually because of the way our hormones are set up, boys have testosterone. So you notice earlier because theirs is more outward mm -hmm. at times with the, um, the acting out, being more hyper, can't get them to sit still, things like that. But in a, for a woman, there may be hyperactivity, but sometimes the hyper hyperactivity is in her mind. So it's not seen. She may be more withdrawn than others. It's not going to present outwardly. She's disorganized and people would normally put labels such as lazy, ditzy, you know, things like that as personality traits instead of seeing it that there may be something that she's struggling with. So one of the things that I've noticed, even you know, for myself and others that I have coached, the pandemic really started to show up those things because the entire life course of a, of a female, you know, in school, there's structure with time. You have to be somewhat organized in order to get things done but she may have been the girl who lost her homework all the time because she couldn't find it. And somebody may have labeled her something instead of realizing, Hey, maybe something is going on. Why is this a con consistent thing? But you take away that structure of leaving home. It create created even more of a challenge with one of the things that I see most often with my clients is time blindness because of leaving home, it created the pressure for them to get more things done because I didn't have enough time. But time blindness is not understanding the passing of time. You can sit there and not know whether it's been five minutes or an hour, or you don't know how long a task is going to take. So it may actually, you may think that it's something that's going to take 15 minutes, but it's going to take an hour. And then she's created this to-do list that has been that's extremely long and that she can no longer accomplish because she packed too many things in there because she didn't know that it was going to take her longer. So in women, it presents in that way. Um, she may seem to be a late, late person, but it's because she doesn't understand time, pa the passing of time so that she can get out the door when she needs to. So in women, it just, it shows up very differently than it does in men and the pandemic brought that forward by taking away the structure of leaving home. Mm -hmm. I am soaking all of this in because it really goes hand in hand, like I said, with what I see in myself as well. I think the pandemic, uh, once it changed all of our routine, my routine of being able to get out of the house and I was stuck in the house more. I already worked from home, but there was something about that first year. I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. 
I'm great. Okay. Um, but then this is life for, this is the best life ever for a person living with autoimmune disease and people have to wear their mask all the time. Okay. I'm for this, but 2021 hit. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm bored and I'm unfulfilled. And I have a lot of things that uh, I can, I do, you know, especially as a Christian in my life. Uh, but it just, I was just feeling like I was beginning to get depressed, which I do have high functioning depression um, that I, you know, could be correlated to my long, um, long life of chronic pain and chronic illness untreated, but it, or it could be um, also, you know, genetic or quite a few other things. But I am. Um, so I was feeling like it might be that. But then I realized over time, I'm a person that usually functions best when I have a lot of things going on at one time. And I am learning how to strategically plan each of those things. Uh, but I tend to do five things at one time. But I time space them and time block things in a way that I didn't even realize I was doing. Maybe I'll focus on this for 25 minutes and then I'll focus on this for 10 minutes and then I'll go back to this for 25 minutes or 10 minutes. And then it wasn't until I was talking to someone with ADHD that they told me, well, this is actually a way that you actually control your um, your products and improve your productivity to make sure you get things done. But it's something I've always had to do in my life. I, there's no way I can stay on one thing for a whole hour, but I know I can do it in pieces and then come back pieces. It may seem for some like it's distraction, but it's something that is about it that is, you know, to me, like medicine to productivity. Yes. And it's funny that you say medicine to productivity because there is a part of the brain. There's um, a chemical called dopamine that is affected by ADHD. And mm -hmm. that's not full enough or it actually like gets sprayed, but it, there's not enough of the neurotransmitters for it to stick to make, I wanna say it's norepinephrine. Mm -hmm. So when you switch tasks like that, you're giving yourself dopamine hits. That's part of it. Dopamine is a part of your reward center that actually mm -hmm. helps you follow through to completion with the task. You hacked your brain to keep the dopamine going so that you're able to do it in a productive way by utilizing the timers and knowing that this is what it is. It, it is connected to the chemical. Yeah, see, and like, as for, even as a nurse, my degree is in science um, as well. And it's, uh, I'm, while you know these things, that's probably also what helped me to, um, I know these things because I am a nurse but I did not tie me doing these things to a condition. I tied it to in order for me to stay productive and to accomplish all of this, I'm going to have to do it this way or I'm going to fail. Yeah. And, and for me at the age of 10, I asked for an alarm clock. Something in my mind knew that time was important. Mm -hmm. And I began planning fairly early in life using planners, because if not, I couldn't keep up with, with things. Um, I still lose stuff. Mm, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it is what it is when it comes down to that. Um, but it, it kept me efficient 
in being able to do all the things that I wanted to accomplish. Because if I didn't get, if it didn't get get written down, it didn't get done. Mm -hmm. Like that's how it was for me. And I also can relate to packing so much stuff in the day so that it can actually be accomplished. If I didn't have enough, my day would just go away. And that's what happened to me during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I only felt as productive as when I was leaving the house after that happened, I completely fell apart in being able to really get things done because that control of leaving home and the sense of urgency of I don't have much time was gone. Wow. So I'm not alone, y'all. Nope. So this is what this is what these types of conversations helps um, us to see is that we're not alone because I literally thought I was going to lose my mind when 20, January 2021 hit and I thought, wait a minute, this is real life. They're not going to solve this. <laughs> like this, I might be locked in this house because for me too, traveling is medicine. Traveling is a reset button for me. So when um, there was, I always planned traveling every three months, I was going somewhere or doing something different at least. And then, of course, doing the normal things that you do to um, to mix up your life. But I, if there was something about I not only planned my day, I planned my life and I would plan travel at the it, I knew right at three months. If I in 90 days, if I hadn't done something different, gotten out of Florida or gotten out of the country um, that I was I, it would be, you know, a decline for me. So my husband and I, even when we got together, we developed that every I let him know. And I, you know, we talked that every three months we were going to make sure we put something on the calendar. And I we, we both thrive better when we do those types of things. But of course, mm -hmm. the panorama made that difficult. Um, and that's that's when it was when when May of that year came, though, and it was our anniversary it was like um, I'm picking the top. 10, I, I, I researched the top 10 safest places uh, <laughs> to travel during this time. And Utah was like at the top. Park City, Utah, I think was like number three um, in the top three. And we were like, okay, they got mountains. We can do hiking. We can do this. And it's not that many people there. And it's kind of like they're off season. That's where we're going. Oh, did that change the course of my life? And right after then is when came when, believe it or not, and people don't know that, but right after that vacation is when that push to create my business, mm -hmm. um, what became my business took place. So do you see the impact that that, that had that it literally that travel and it changed the course of my life? Yeah. What were you going to say, sis? It, I, I just I love that. And, and that taking the, that time off and giving yourself a break mentally, emotionally, physically from doing all the things fuels creativity. Like it, it, it's, you know, sometimes people think that resting is not productive, especially, you know, a lot of my clients are just like, go, go, go. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the best because you're tapping yourself out. And I used to live in that space. So I feel very qualified <laughs> to coach them in that because I know what it's like. So I applaud you and it's beautiful that that's what came out of that. Thank you. I, I you know, it's, it was actually in this moment, in this conversation, 
that I realized what was what was the full scope of things that happened. January hit that decline. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know if I can live like this. And then starting to plant, wait, top three places, Utah, planning that, planning that trip and then planning, I'm going on that trip and then what it brought to me. So when you live with chronic illnesses, when you live with AD conditions like ADHD, you have to find those things that can help you to um, be able to thrive. I, I, throughout my life, I have had to find ways to thrive despite endometriosis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, what I think is ADHD now, um, and um, fibromyalgia and all of those things. I had to find a way to thrive even when I didn't have a diagnosis. But I think had I even um, plunged into the world of coaches like you, I probably would have had a better sense of things um, of what, you know, or, or even coming to know and connecting with more people because I'm really very much so an introvert, but people don't really read that in me. So it was very hard for me to connect with others. And that's what the, you know, 2020 and 2021 did to me is it forced me to learn to connect better and to know that I needed that um, in order to thrive as well. So when you look at the course of quite a bit of what we've been talking about, um, we've talked about your diagnosis of ADHD, your diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. We've talked about um, ways in which you have helped yourself and others to thrive. Like what, if there is any tips, because you've given some good ones, but what would be your top tip to give to someone um, first, how to recognize I just might have ADHD. And second, the, you know, what is the best way for me to start coping with this better? So one of the things that I would suggest is to not just look at what your life is like now, if you are thinking you have ADHD, but look behind you. Look at your past. Look at the things that you have gone through that may have left you saying, hmm, because those moments do happen as we grow up, but sometimes we dismiss them. So, you know, think about what we mentioned before and what this looks like. Were you that person who was always losing your homework? The girl who got you know, notes written home that she talks too much. Um, the girl who, as she got older, had trouble controlling her spending. Like there are some things that, you know, some people may just attribute to bad habits that really are linked to ADHD. So I'm not saying that everybody who doesn't control their spending has ADHD, but look at the pattern of really wanting to stop, but not being able to control yourself. So then my top tip in being able to manage this is to learn how to accept yourself first. Sometimes it's not just about doing the things, but it's about loving who you are, learning how to be compassionate when you've probably been extremely hard on yourself for the majority of your life, once you start to accept 
yourself, you can move into a, an, a better space of being able to do the actions that it's going to take in caring for yourself and managing ADHD. Wow, that was powerful. So learning to accept yourself is the top tip. And then looking behind, top tip to coping with ADHD, ADHD, but to die, to kind of recognize that I just might have it is to look behind you, look at your life and the course of your life and those things that are commonly associated with it that we discussed earlier, those three areas where you might be, you know, one of the three or all three in one. Um, so this is Wow, that was powerful. And I think that's what I learned to do um, is to accept myself. Uh, I was a person that oftentimes felt alone. And and that's also why I have, um, while I was an introvert, I was an alone, I felt alone inwardly, even when I was surrounded by a lot of people. And I think what has also really had an impact on me is, is recognizing um, the importance of me learning how to be vulnerable and transparent um, and being willing to accept myself and not worry about the way people see me. It doesn't matter to me if a person sees me weak uh, or, or, or as less strong or or doesn't really understand uh, understand me. I know that the people who will understand me and should, you know, understand me and should come to know and love me will find me. And I think I grew up not really seeing that as much. And so that kind of changed the scope of how I often overcompensated for those lack of things with um, being overproductive. Hmm. Yeah, it <laughs> makes total sense. I get it. That's, that was me. That was me. So I, uh, I, wow, this right here, sis, has been like therapeutic. I think stuff has come out of me that I thought I did not imagine, and I'm the, I'm the host. Okay, <laughs> this conversation is pulling stuff out of me that I never thought I would say out loud. Okay, she's, <laughs> but. Wow, that's powerful. So, so for me, this has actually been such a therapeutic conversation because so much has come out of this that I never expected would um, actually in this discussion. In fact, actually coming to the, the terms with the fact that I too feel that I have um, a form of ADHD and that while I may not go to a doctor to get officially diagnosed, I will continue to utilize holistic strategies to help me to be productive. And, and many of the tips that you've shared has helped me, but I'm also going to sprinkle a little bit more on there. So is there anything that you would, if there was one thing that you could say to the woman living with chronic illness and having ADHD, if there was one thing that you could say to, to, to encourage her to keep going, to know that it is possible to uh, continue to thrive or learn to thrive, what would it be? Mm. And it, it kind of goes back to the self-acceptance piece. Mm -hmm. um, because when you accept what's going on in your life, there's freedom in that. And there's more freedom in, rec in recognizing your limitations and living within them. Mm -hmm. Because when you recognize what your limitations are, you can give your best within those. 
when you're trying to live outside of those limitations, your quality is, is poor. It's going to suffer. And so when you accept those limitations and know how much you can do, your mindset and your, your life and your productivity is going to change for the better because you're giving your best with what you've got. Mm -hmm. There is so much peace in modesty. And uh, from my study of the Bible, modesty, you know, is recognizing your own limitations. Uh, I think it's also recognizing when we do need help, too. Yes. When we do need support. And that's why you're the perfect coach, because not only do you, have you lived it and learned to thrive and you recognize that, hey, I'm still going to lose my keys from time to time, but I'm going to still be able to be an, a productive adult and accomplish the things that I desire to uh, and to be successful. So that's the thing when we're when we are going through these things, remember that there is help out there and there is a community that you can connect yourself to to be able to understand yourself better, to recognize those limitations, live within them and then create those steps that are going to help you to succeed. So I appreciate this conversation. Sis. It's been amazing. Thank you. I've had a great time, too. Thank yes. You. Now, what I do want you to do is tell the people where we can find you. Okay. So I'm very minimalistic in my approach. Instagram is the main place that you can find me. I'm working on getting my website up back to where I want it to be. So my Instagram handle is at pinkproco, P-I-N-K-P-R-O-C-O. So you can find me there. Shoot me a DM. And let's get a conversation started. Amazing. And I'm so glad that I got a conversation started with you through the DMs myself, um, because it's led to uh, meeting an amazing woman who is so talented and so beautiful, y'all, on top of the fact, not just externally, but internally, your voice is just so calming. Um, and it just makes you feel home. I love that. Um, so I want you all to feel free to reach out to her at Pink Pro Co. Um, you will find some very interesting content there that is based around productivity, especially for those with ADHD. I, y'all, her lives are, are on point. So go check those lives out and catch the replay because I'm sitting there with notes and paper um, as I'm listening myself. <laughs> All right. Well, you all know how I end each episode. I say to you all, my sisters, we may be inflamed, but we are still here. And as long as we are here, we might as well thrive together because inflamed sisters thrive together always. Have a wonderful day and don't forget to like and subscribe. Take care, everyone. Bye.